the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship and ministry opportunities that invite your involvement. Hello and welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Today we are very pleased to have Pastor John Jester of the Watsonville Christian Church in Watsonville, California. You can find Watsonville Christian Church at 12 Brennan Street in Watsonville. Watsonville Christian Church began in 1969 as a congregation of the Worldwide Church of God, and they've met in a number of locations over the years. They've been in Watsonville since the year 2000. Pastor John Jester was ordained a deacon in 1977 and was ordained as an assistant pastor in 1995, became the associate pastor of the Watsonville Christian Church in 2002, then senior pastor in 2005. Watsonville Christian Church meets 10 a.m. Sunday mornings with their worship service. They have a pre-worship service prayer meeting at 940. There's a fellowship, snacks, or potluck after the worship service monthly communion. Find out more about Watsonville Christian Church at watcc.org or at our website, kfax.com. And now, Pastor John Jester with a sermon recorded at the Watsonville Christian Church. Church on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Thank you so much. We can be here. We just thank you for the blessing, Lord, of being made and created by you and called out of this world. We thank you for the opportunity to learn and grow together from your holy word. Just Father, I pray you inspire all these words that you want to be spoken. Uh, and only the words that you want to be spoken, the way you want them spoken. We just pray for all our listening, Father. We can listen and take to heart each and every one of us individually and collectively what you want us to have help us father not to miss anything we just pray you inspire this in every way help us see how we can apply it how it applies to our life the life of other people as well so we thank you for this opportunity to learn from your holy word father we put ourselves this rest of this service in your hands and we ask this in the name of our lord and savior and our teacher jesus christ amen Okay, if you'd like to turn there, we're continuing going through the book of Nehemiah. We are going through chapter 9 now, page 390 in our NIV 2011 edition Bibles. What a title. The Israelites confess their sins. You know what's a really great way to save your time having to confess your sins? Is not the sin. <laughs> Saves a ton of time. Saves a ton of time. So that's one way to save time having to confess your sins. Another thing we're going to read here is that when you read the gist of this, the people confessed their sins, but I got the impression very much that they 100% repented of their sins. Because sometimes people confess their sins. We may know we have a sin. I actually I remember, I was thinking about someone who's not here, by the way, I won't mention their name. They're no longer here. But they knew a particular quality, something in their life they were supposed to stop doing, 
And they would say, well, we're all sinners, but somehow it could be an excuse to continue to sin. And they knew something they were supposed to stop doing. They also knew something I told them, encouraged them a couple times to start doing that they refused to do. So sometimes we can, we can know what to do or not to do. We can confess, but confessing without repentance is not what God wants. And when I read this here, I, I'm reading these people really were repenting. And that's a really key thing we've got to read here, is that whenever we read or know anything to do, are, are we not only confessing, but are we confessing and repenting at the same time? Are we just confessing? <laughs> are we not confessing at all? Just reading it and not even confessing. But are we confessing and repenting and changing? That's what God really wants. So we're going to read this here. And again, I believe these people really were repenting. They saw what they needed to change and add and subtract for their life. And... Again, whatever God shows us to do or stop doing, it's really always best for us. You know, God's way is always best. We're going to read that here. You know, whatever God wants for us is best. That's sort of the opposite, like Pastor Mel said last week. You know, uh, something, some people think God is like a, a, a killjoy. You're going to take away all your play and all your fun. And I've known people, they just put off committing their lives to Christ. Because they thought, you know, I want to go have my fun before I commit life to Christ. So that attitude is if, what well, you commit your life to Christ and you're not going to have fun anymore. Well, I think exactly the opposite of what Jesus said in John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to me, have life, a life to the full. Yeah, the best life is the yielded life, the surrendered life, the life of following Christ. But these 2.13 says, the will and the do comes from God. The desire to obey God comes from God. But the power to obey God also comes from God. So it all comes from God. So God gets all the glory for all of it. Read here in verse 1. And then again, this corresponded to what would have been the Feast of Tabernacles time, as we mentioned uh, last time. On the 24th day of the same month, that was the month Tishri, seventh month of God's plan, calendar, which corresponds pretty much to our September. The Israelites gathered together, and that's something God very much emphasizes. We talked about that last time where he, in Leviticus 23, talked about the Holy Day and the seven, seven annual Holy Days. Uh, there was the commanded assemblies, holy convocations. God wanted people gathering together, not staying at home, what they call Lone Ranger Christians, um, but gathering together and assembling, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Why is that? Because they were hearing God's word and hadn't heard it for a long time. Remember Ezra got up and he, he read, remember from dawn until noon, which is what like we said was about six hours. He's reading God's word, and now we're going to read more that they're not only hearing God's word, but they're hearing it for about three hours, and then the next, after they hear it, they're repenting, they're confessing, and worshiping. And the implication is, they heard God's word, they hadn't heard it for a long time, they would come out of captivity in Babylon, taken over by Persia, they were in captivity for 70 years, they come back, they hear God's word, and they realize that certain things, like the Feast of Tabernacles and the Old Covenant, they were to keep, and now they're keeping them immediately. So Ezra, out of all the book of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they can be read, he's reading about the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh month, when it was the seventh month. You know, God can inspire exactly what he wants, hit the nail on the head, and that was it. And they were changing, you know, they were keeping the holy days. At that time, they evidently, they hadn't been kept, been keeping them for a long time. So... They are repenting, gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. An example of what they did when they were repenting. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. Now that was because they had different religions and they were being pulled into those religions. So like we read in the New Testament, do not you be you unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, a Christian shouldn't marry a non-Christian. A person shouldn't be in business, a Christian with a non-Christian. Because they have time problems. So... 
You read this here that he didn't want them to be with the foreigners at that time because of their false teachings, their false religions. They stood in their place and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God. That's the, again, the five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. For a quarter of the day, now you read John 11, 19, and Jesus pointed out that a quarter of a day was from a day being 12 hours. So if the day in Jewish terms and times of that time was 12 hours, a quarter of a day would be how many hours? Right. Very good. Three hours. Three hours. That's a quite an interesting. Back in the 50s, our denomination used to have three-hour church services. My sister is in a church where they have three-hour church services. So if you get by an hour and a half, you can rejoice. So quarter of the day, and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. So the implication is, they're hearing God's word for three hours, and now they're confessing what they were told to do, that maybe they're not doing, and things they should be doing that they weren't doing. And they're confessing and evidently repenting and then worshiping God. They, worship, they could be offering praises, prayers, giving of thanks, they could be singing, a lot of different ways of worshiping God. But they, they worship God because they saw the things they, they should do and knowing that doing them was best for them or stop doing things they should stop doing. So it's a great example for all of us. You know, when we read and study, do we just read and study? Or do we stop when we get something and it hits us between the eyes and something we maybe need to change our attitude about God, the way He is, or something we should do or not do, or change or alter about our thinking, our conduct, our behavior. You know, this is their example that they heard it and then repented and then did what they should do. You know, that's a great example how to study. You know, hear God's word, read it, and okay, Lord, what do you want me to read? And what, how's this apply to my life? And evidently they were repenting right at the time. Standing on the stairs of Levites were Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, Kenai. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. Uh, they were very expressive, very open about their faith. And that, that's powerful. Wow. I mean, just great examples of a repentant turning to God in a very powerful, very enthusiastic way. Verse 5, and the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hudiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God. You know, we get up and we sing songs, don't we? We stand up and praise God when we're singing songs. We do exactly what they were doing right, right at that time. We do that all the time. We stand up and sing praises to God. And just what they were doing at the time. Said, Who is from everlasting to everlasting? We just talked about that. You know, God is from everlasting to everlasting. Always has been and always will be. Blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Yeah, we give all glory to God for everything. You know, we don't take credit ourselves because God's the one that gave us any wisdom, knowledge, understanding, desire, power, energy to do, do good. It all comes from God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I thought, wow, that's true. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. James 1.17. What a beautiful scripture. So God gives all the glory. Verse 6. You alone are the Lord. 
Yeah, not the other foreign gods or made up human religions. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You know, sometimes we'll, someday we'll find out what the multitudes of heaven are, how many there are. How many, how many are the multitudes of heaven? How many hundreds of thousands, billions, trillions, billions? I don't know. We'll find out someday. That's going to be overwhelming. I know that. It'll be overwhelming. Behind what you can imagine with the human mind, it's going to be overwhelming. Verse 7, you are, you are the Lord God who chose Abram. And of course, God has chosen all of us and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. So sometimes God will guide us out of places, right? Can guide us out of jobs, places where we live, relationships. God can guide us. We follow God. You have found his heart faithful to you. And that's what we all need to have. A heart like that. Isn't that a great compliment of Abraham? You found his heart faithful to you. That's what God, you know, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? You know, sometimes people might be doing the wrong thing, but their heart's right, and God can be pleased. And sometimes other people might be doing the right thing, but the heart's wrong, the motive's wrong. It's be seen or be, get praise or whatever, the motive's wrong. The motive's wrong. But God wants the heart to be right. So we look at our own hearts. You know, the heart needs to be right with God. I'm going to compliment he said to David, or uh, Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you. You know, that's what really God wants. Just a faithful heart. Be faithful to God. Faithful heart. And you made a covenant with him. A covenant's an agreement with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. I think of a covenant, I think of Samson. Remember Samson at the end of his life? He didn't really do what God wanted him to do. Many had a lust for women that took him off the path of following God. So God allowed his eyes to be taken out of their, his head. They're just sockets. He didn't even have eyes. There's sockets there. But he had a covenant with God. He said, God, just give me strength one more time. And I'll carry out what I was called to do to destroy the Philistines. One more time, God. You ever see that movie? I love it. I, can't, I don't remember if I ever saw the rest of the movie, but I remember the, the part of the movie where he's there and a little boy leads him. He says, put me between the pillars of this place where they're all meeting. And he comes up there and it is uh, He comes up there and he puts his hands against the pillars because all of his strength had gone that God gave him. But now he says, God, just one more time. Give me the strength that you had before and I'll carry out your will. You know, that's a covenant you have God, agreement with God. You do this for me, God, and I'll, I'll do what I was called to do. What an agreement, that's a great covenant. Puts his hands against the pillars, oh, this, this is a great part. Dude, skip the rest of the movie, this, this, this is the part to watch. This is the action part. Puts his hands against the pillars, and God answers his prayer, and gives him, and he pushes the pillars, and the whole place comes coming down, and it said he was commissioned by God to destroy the Philistines. It said he destroyed more in his death that he ever did in his life. And that was a covenant he had with God, you know? Wow. Our baptism was a covenant with God, right? We, we accepted God as Lord and Savior, that he'd be the boss. We gave up control of our lives. We're going to follow him. That's what it means to accept him as Lord. He's the boss. We're no longer boss. We get off the throne. 
course, a lot of times maybe crawl back on the throne. They <laughs> kick them off the throne, get back on the throne, but, you know, ties in with our mission here, you know, to teach everyone to live unconditionally surrendered to Jesus Christ. That's all the time. Now, what do you want me to do today, Lord? I pray all the time, Lord. Help us carry out your to-do list for our lives today, Lord. Not our own for ourselves or somebody else for us. In the pace and tempo you want. And it's almost always going to be different than I would be doing, but it's always better. God's plan is always the best. So covenant. He made a covenant. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. They're speaking to God. Yeah, God keeps his word. You know, we read earlier, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Which says we are to sow spiritual seeds in people's hearts and minds and God guides us. Individually, we're to water people's faith. And then he said, but God gives the increase. We never have to worry about God doing his part. You know, that's the third part. We never have to worry about the third part. But we just need to be concerned about the first two parts. Sowing seeds and watering people's faith. And God will cause it to grow. Verse 9. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You read about the Red Sea, Exodus 14. I went back and reread that. Really a fun story to read. You know, they get to the Red Sea, and this is a great lesson to learn too. Because they get to the, they're being chased by the Egyptians. They get to the Red Sea, and this could be just like our own lives, something that appears hopeless. I mean, it's the Red Sea. How are they going to get across? You know? And it goes back to Ephesians 3.20. Beautiful scripture says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And I would say, I think we can safely say, probably never crossed any of their minds that when they got to the Red Sea and they're seeing in front of them, the Egyptians chasing from behind what God can do and that he would divide the Red Sea. Walls of water on both sides became like an aquarium without the glass. You know, and, and the, dry, the land was dry. You know, and you think of walls of water, you got a walls on right, and you got a walls on left, and you can look in there and see all the sea creatures, and there's an octopus, and, you know, but there's no glass. It's just walls of water. And it's a great example of where we can be in life. Things can look hopeless. You know, and you think, well, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how this is going to work. But I, see, I see nothing. But well, God is never hopeless. If God is unlimited, he, he can do the unlimitable. I like that word, unlimitable. I won't find your dictionary because it's not a godly dictionary. They had a godly dictionary, that word would be in there. Unlimitable. Good tongue twister, too. But yeah, they got to the Red Sea. You know, I said, you heard their cry at the Red Sea. That example, again, many times our lives we get in situations we may not see any way out of it, you know, how, how something's going to work out. It may look hopeless. But all of a sudden, God divides the Red Sea and walls of water and they go through. Then he went on after that. Verse 10, you sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. Yeah, I would think so. If you split the Red Sea, I think you'd make a name for yourself, don't you think? You'd make a name for yourself. You, would probably, you wouldn't forget that. you really make a name for yourself. Another example we learn here, you know, you've got enemies to the will of God or trying to hold, hold this back from what God wants. God fought our battles for us as he did against Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. Verse 11, you divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. It should have been all wet and soggy. 
got water on it all the time. She's been wet and soggy. So it divides the, the Red Sea, got walls of water, and the land is also dry. The ground is also dry at the same time. Now, how awesome is that? But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Yeah, sometimes, you know, some people holding us, trying to hold us back or keep us from doing God's will in our lives. God can take, God can get rid of anybody at any time. Again, you read, you read all the way in the Bible, you read that. You read about Corinth, Dathan, and Byram, and number 16, another good action story. Remember what he did with Corinth, Dathan, and Byram? Open up the ground and swallow them alive. That was when we had Moses back. Yeah. There were rebels. He got rid of them, their wives, their children, all their possessions, and buried them alive. Wow. I bet it probably never crossed Moses' mind, you know, before that incident that God could do something like that, or would do something like that. Verse 12. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. And today we have God's Holy Spirit to guide us. You know, we didn't need a cloud. We didn't need a fire. We just need God's Holy Spirit, God to guide us. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. Everything God tells us is good. Not bad, it's good. It's the best life. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws to your servant Moses. That was the Sabbath of the Old Covenant. Again, we're in New Covenant times. And their hunger you gave them bread from heaven. And in the thirst you brought them water from the rock. Yeah. I've heard of so many people over the years where, you know, they were, they were didn't have money to buy food and opened up the door and there was a bag of groceries and God guided somebody to bring to them, you know. I think Josie had an incident like that some years ago. And, you know, it's just amazing how God provides. You know, God is our provider in, in sometimes very miraculous ways. Um, Beautiful story about, remember, Jesus and Peter? And Peter says, should we pay the temple tax? And, and Peter said, yeah, pay your tax and mine. And of course, Peter didn't have any, enough money. Didn't really have time. So Jesus tells him how to get the money. He said, go fishing. The first fish you catch, open its mouth, and there'll be the coin to pay your tax and mine. Wow, you know, in this great example, it's like the God. Lord, what do I do? God may give me something strange and unusual to do. You know, we, do obey, we need to obey and follow, even though it may not seem logical, we may not know why, just do what God says, and we'll find out why. You know, be a good little movie to see Peter taking off and thinking, okay, he didn't tell me when to fish, he didn't tell me what part of the lake to fish, he just told me that the first fish I catch, there'll be the coin. And again, I, you know, I always think that if Peter gets the coin out of there and he, and he comes out the first coin, maybe he took the fish and went a little harder like this. Maybe there's another one in there. Maybe look at the next fish. <laughs> and he was a fisherman. You'd be guaranteed he probably never went fishing before after opened a fish's mouth and there was a coin in it. Now people, maybe you fishermen, maybe you're going to give that a try next time. But God provides. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. Just another example of that. What God tells us to do, we do. You know, we're all called to do the Great Commission. That's what we're trying to do. Reach out to people every which way we can with our time, talent, and treasure. 
bread from heaven and the thirster brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of land. You had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked and they did not obey your commands. Not a good thing to do, is it? They refused, verse 17, to listen. You know, that's a great quality of Christian life, isn't it? Just being willing to listen to God. I heard it said before. Sometimes just go to God and say, Lord, is there anything you want to tell me? Ooh, that's good. You know, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So that means he's got a voice. Sometimes maybe we're, we're not spending enough time listening to his voice. But sometimes it's a good thing to say, Lord, is there anything you want to tell me? Am I listening, Lord? Help me to listen. Am I hearing you correctly, Lord? It's a good thing to do. They didn't listen back at that time, but they should have. Failed to remember the miracles. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. You know, one, one beautiful thing many times is to remember, to really be inspiring ourselves, is to remember the miracles we read about in the Bible, but we also remember the miracles in our own lives. We can also remember the miracles we've known other people have told us about. That is so inspiring to just to think about all the different miracles, things that really stand out, that are really truly miracles that God did, and not forget them, because they can very much inspire us. Among them, they became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader. That sounds like politics, doesn't it? That's like they appoint their own leader instead of having God's leader. They appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. They're slaving to their own will and their own way of life rather than God's. But you are a forgiving God. Now here's something we read about God and we all want to become like God, right? We all want to become Christ-like. Well, here's some good qualities we all need. You are a forgiving God. We can say, okay, are we a forgiving person? Oh, that's a good quality, isn't it? Forgiving. And gracious, are we gracious? And compassionate. Oh, are we compassionate? Slow to anger. Oh, we know we get you there. Slow to anger. That means we don't get angry, but slow to anger. So these are qualities of God. And abounding in love. You know, we become Christ-like. We need all these things. We need to be forgiving, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love, as God was. Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf, and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, and when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great compassion. Now we get a little bit more. Not only compassion, but great compassion. The good question for all is, do we have great compassion? Do we only have compassion, but do we have great compassion? You know, godly compassion causes us to, to take action and do something. They pray for a person, help somebody. We have a lot of compassion. We're going to be doing something. It'd be an action that we take. We have a lot of compassion. Sometimes it's solely praying. And that can do a lot. Kind word, helping financially, physically. You did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, though the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave them your good spirit. It's a capital S, referring to the Holy Spirit. You know, and that is, wow, it's a blessing to have God's Holy Spirit, isn't it? Our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in us. Be guided by God's Spirit to instruct them. Do not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years we sustained them. Now we're going to learn another big lesson here. Then in the wilderness, they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. 
nor did their feet become swollen. Let's look back at that one. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. You know, God has unlimited ways of blessing us. I've known of people that use their cars for a service, and they didn't have a whole lot of money to buy another car, and their cars would go over 300,000 miles. Because God kept their cars going, because they were using it for a good reason and a good service. And that's what you read this one here, where the clothes didn't wear out. And I don't know if maybe some ladies like their clothes to wear out, but excuse me, get some new threads. <laughs> but they didn't wear out. And their feet didn't get swollen. They're always walking in the wilderness. They didn't have cars. You know, that's like doing backbreaking work and you don't have a backache after it's all over. You know, their feet didn't get swollen. You know, God can do so many different things. And this was in a physical realm. You know, the clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't get swollen. But God can provide everything we need to keep things going and going and going. You know, God has unlimited ways of doing things. And I think, wow, I mean, you look at the clothes for 40 years. Now, maybe you wouldn't want the same wardrobe for 40 years. Hopefully they washed them every now and then. But they never wore out. You know, I think we probably all have clothes that are worn out, right? And some piece of clothing you look at, and I'll say, oh, it's got, you ever, especially put something in the dryer and look at that lint tray? Well, what's the lint coming from? It's your clothes falling apart. It's your clothes falling apart. You know, your piece of clothing, you see that it's just worn in a certain way. It's worn out 40 years. I know maybe we can take a survey sometime. Anybody still have a piece of clothing that, that they had, that they got 40 years ago, they're still wearing? Probably not, probably built in obsolescence huh, in the clothing. Of course, maybe you can't fit into them anymore. But they never wore out. And the feet didn't get swollen. You gave them kingdom to nations. God blessed them, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sion, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands, along with their kings and the peoples of the land, to deal with them as they please. God just gives things. God has favor. You know, you follow God, you get favor. You know, you get favor in a job. You can be, get a promotion that maybe somebody else doesn't get. You can get a raise. You, you, people sometimes get things that are the miraculous, that are his favor. That's what favor is. God gives us favor. Getting things that we otherwise wouldn't have. Like up there, and I've seen the balconies here, our baptismal trough. Uh, you know, we, we needed a longer baptismal trough for those that were taller than five foot six. Because everybody we baptized up to that point in time was five foot six or shorter, so a little baptismal trough worked. But then we're not getting steward in there. <laughs> we'll have to anoint them for Rick's, Rick's, Rick's back and neck. So we went to Gilroy, I went to Gilroy. And, uh, we got a horse trough, and they gave it to us free. That's favor. You know, you read this, what we read about these people. They're following God. God gives them all the favor because they're taking over all these lands, all these possessions. That was favor because they're obeying and following God. And we got a baptismal trough, $156. They didn't even charge us for it. I said, you know, you didn't cast a check. He said, we're not going to cast a check. It's yours. I said, we, we can bring you another check. No, we have a check. Well, we're not going to cast a check. I, I said, well... Well, thank you. We're giving it to you. It's yours. I said, we're going to use it for baptism. He said, I know. 
Wow, that's favor. You know, when we follow God, we need to look at our lives and we see favor. We see favor in our lives, sometimes lives of other people. God's going to do something that otherwise wouldn't happen. And you can say, wow, that's just, that's not normal. That's not humanly going to happen every day. Something like that going to happen. That's what's happening to these people. God's giving them all these lands and all these things that they're taking over. Verse 25, they captured 45 cities and fertile land. God gave them the power to do all this. They took possession of houses, took possession of houses of their own way, <laughs> filled with all kinds of good things. Wow, I mean, that's like being able to get a, walk into a brand new home. But it's got all the furnishings already in there. That's exactly what this we're reading here. Filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But, here's what happened, but they were disobedient and rebelled against you. You know, nevertheless, we learn. A lot of times we get blessings, you know, said so often. When do people pray the most? When they're hurting and they're in pain and going through a trial, you know, that's when they come to God. And it should be the only time. Sometimes, sometimes that may be the only time. I've seen people leave church and not come back to church until some major catastrophe happens in their life. It just turns their life upside down and all of a sudden they come back to church. And they'll be everywhere. They're every small group, every service, every Bible study, counseling. They'll be all there. They'll be all the time until they get their wounds healed. And then they go back to their old ways again. You know, and that's never the way God wants us to be. You know, we're, God doesn't want us to be, be like that. We should be following God, praying to Him as much, and singing as much when times are good than when times are bad. Highs, lows, and everything in between. You know, God wants consistent Christians, you know. And they weren't like that. They got all these things that God gave them. And every time they would happen, they happened. Don't need to pray now. I mean, things are going well. We don't need how the Red Sea parted. We're not going across the Red Sea, so. And they went back to their old ways again. We're going to read it over and over again. They did that. They were disobedient, verse 26, and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets. You know, that's, you know, if we go away from God, I think people go away from God, and God says in the New Testament, their end is worse than their beginning. You know, I had a good friend at work. Like, became a Christian, on fire for God. Then the newness sort of well off when some trials came. He went back to his old way, and he went worse and ended up being sent to prison. It was like 16, 17, 18 counts against the law. It was in the newspaper. Picked up the paper one day, and there he was. And he, I mean, it was worse than when he started. Because he kind of, we're not constantly going closer to God, we're going farther away from God. We're either going one way or the other. We're either getting closer or farther. You know, in what direction are we going? And are we going as fast as we can? That's like another good question. But then, yeah, when things went well, that's when they went away from God. They didn't spend time following God. They told them they had problems again, then they'd come back. Who warned them? Killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. Yeah, God delivered them, you know. God knows how to take care of us when we backslide. <laughs> you got to make things go really bad. 
He delivered them into the hands of their enemies. Now God's going to put those people, us included, where we need to be to turn us back to Him. Into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. Well, when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. Isn't that human? That we do that? That's just human nature. <laughs> well, oppressed, they cried out to God. God, help me. Need your help here, God. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. And that human nature, isn't it? Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion, you were delivered them time after time. Isn't that God? The way God is. God is so patient. Long suffering. That's a word for a word for patience. Time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law. But they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances. And what you said, the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked, and refused to listen. For many years you were patient with them. By your spirit, kept blessed, the Holy Spirit, you warned them through your prophets. They paid no attention, so you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. I mean, that's great news to know for all of us, for all people. No matter where they go, if they backslide, us or anybody else, God is always going to be there trying to get us back to Him over and over and over again. Now therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps His covenant, His agreement of love, what a great phrase that is. Do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. And all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully where we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, our ancestors, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In other words, help, help, Lord, help. Then you read the last caption, the agreement of the people, the last verse here in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are fixing their seals to it. Otherwise, they're writing a covenant, they're going to obey and follow God, they're putting it in writing. Oh, that's a, that's a good way to do it, isn't it? Put it in writing, okay. 
I'm going to keep my word to you, Lord. I'm going to obey you and follow you. Sometimes people journal, put things in writing. That would be a good thing to do sometimes. Put things in writing. What are you going to do for God? And then read it back make sure we're keeping keeping our word. Okay, we're going to end there, Father. Thank you so much for being here today. We thank you for your holy word. May these words reside in our hearts and minds. May they help us turn to you, Father, become all we can be. We just pray that we have the gift of listening that comes from you so we can hear what you want us to do. And as you say in Philippians 2.13, the will to do comes from you. The desire to obey you comes from you. And the power and the help we need to do so also comes from you. We pray for it all, Father. We thank you, Father, for it and for all things. In Jesus' Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor John Jester of Watsonville Christian Church here on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Find out more about the Watsonville Christian Church at their address, 12 Brennan Street in Watsonville, or at their website, watcc.org, or at our website, kfax.com, where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.